sometimes a little more my bloody podcast <laughs> can you feel it ladies and gentlemen can you feel it it is episode 42 of my bloody podcast the answer to everything we know as oh yeah climax Yes, it is. I'm so happy to be here this evening, a Thursday evening. My name is Brian Kluger, and I am joined by the man that I love to climax with at least twice a week, Preston Barta. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm going to be well-rested because I got more exciting opportunities coming up this weekend, so I got to be prepared. I got to be awake. And, and and thank you for coming on this podcast so late at night. We've had we, Preston's had a very busy week. We'll get to it in a second. But yes, this is episode forty-two, the answer to everything. Uh, my bloody podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, everything else. We got a bunch of news coming up. We've got bloody questions. We've got bloody recommendations, and of course, the feature presentation. This year's two thousand nineteen is Gaspar Noe's own. Climax, the film, it's going to be so sweet and so good, and it is. We loved it. I think Preston's seen it a lot already, and has Climax, just like me, a lot this week about it. But if you remember from last week and the week before, Preston was gearing up to attend South by Southwest, the film festival in Austin, which brings over a million people for film and music. Preston was there for a few days. He took a couple days off which is why he's here now on the podcast. And then he is going back to Austin. He's going back for more South by Southwest. So we're going to dive in face first, knees first, head first, blood first, entrails and all, and talk with Preston about all the cool people he got to talk to, all the horror movies he got to see, because I'm so fucking jealous, because I think he had a really good time. Preston, South by Southwest, first of all, I know the opening night film was Jordan Peele's Us, the guy who did Get Out, the guy who's in Key and Peele. You saw Us opening night. I think you got to talk with him. Please tell me about that. Okay, so yes, Us. I uh, really enjoyed the film quite a bit. It is very different from Get Out, so if you are expecting something on par with that, it doesn't quite meet that because they are very different movies. And so, um, so I guess, I guess like, I, cause I think what we'll do, I think ladies and gentlemen, next week, I think we're going to do a big episode yeah. on us, but I'm just curious. Like I, you know, we all love to get out. So you say, don't expect that you're going to got to expect something different. So I guess, do we so it's not even like the same like feel or genre per se it's like something else no it's it's a horror movie um it's scary and it's funny just like get out was um except it leans more into the horror um but it's not like a it doesn't deal with race issues or anything like that it's a whole other ball game it's dealing with uh, stuff that's very relevant to today um but um, I think there's a lot of moments in the film that are going to be pretty jarring for audiences. Um, uh, some of them you may be like, I don't know if this is silly or if this is really thoughtful. 
but then by the end when everything kind of comes together you're like man uh this is really well done um it's a lot to process it's a movie like you know when you watch get out or at least for me and a lot of other people that i enjoyed get out with um you kind of know like right away how you feel about it and then right after i saw us i was like i don't know yet um it's going to take some time, but I recognized all the genius in it, but there was just like some pieces within that I wasn't quite sure what to make of it just yet. But, uh, now that it's been some time, it's been over a week and then I'm going to see it again next week. Um, uh, it, it's, it's one of my favorite films of the festival, uh, for sure. Um, sweet. And I, and I think it's going to be one that we're going to uh, be talking about, especially uh, Lupita Nyong'o's performance. So I, I remember that a lot of people uh, tweeted about that after the premiere, uh, kind of put it in the same category as Tony Collette in Hereditary because she, the, the levels that she goes to is insane. Um, and there, there's some choices that she makes, especially in her doppelganger form that we can discuss further next week after you see it, Brian. But um, but overall, I think it's a very solid movie. And I think uh, audiences uh, will uh, will enjoy it. Sweet. So, I'm, I'm yeah, glad. I can't, I can't wait to dive into it deeper next week. And yeah, I know you got too. to talk to uh, some of the people in the film. So we'll talk about that next week, too. Because um, we don't want to, we don't want to blow the load yet. Yeah, we don't want to climax just yet. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so besides, uh, besides us, I know you probably saw a few more other films, some horror stuff. Uh, what? What? So besides us, or even if us was your favorite film so far, what? What is your favorite film so far, uh, horror wise or genre wise? Um, oddly enough, um, some of my favorite movies that I saw at, uh, South by Southwest, uh, were not necessarily horror films or thrillers. There are more dramas or comedies. Um, just cause I, I, I put a lot of pressure on, uh, horror films, but I did see some, uh, some decent stuff and some good stuff, not so good stuff, uh, from the horror genre. So I'll go through those quickly. So, um, the movie, and I'm going to jump ahead, I, I'll just, uh, one of them I'm going to save, actually. One of them I'm going to save for my bloody recommendation because it's uh, not too far off from uh, coming out. Um, so I saw Little Monsters to kind of ease into that one because it also has, uh, stars Lupita Nyong'o in it. Okay, so Little and Monsters is not the Fred Savage, Daniel Stern. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, okay. I made a joke. I made a joke saying, uh, uh, I was like, I really hope Howie Mandel makes a cameo in this, but he didn't. Um, but uh, it's it's from the director of Down Under, and I, I don't know if you saw that at Fantastic Fest a couple of years ago, Brian. But uh, it was like, and it was an Australian comedy, uh, dark comedy, and uh, really enjoyed that one. Uh, it had a lot of fun, uh, kind of poking poking fun at uh, '80s movies, and so I really enjoyed that one. So this one. This is a second big movie, or at least one that uh, that has kind of come to my attention. Um, can't think of the director's name, but he. Uh, so his next movie is uh, Little Monsters, and it is essentially a zombie movie 
where a kindergarten class go to a petting zoo and then a zombie and they're right next door to a like a government facility and then there's an outbreak and then it uh, then these kids and the teacher and the uh, one of the kids uh, guardians, which is just his uh, his uncle, the boy's uncle. Um, so this most of the story kind of focuses on the boy and um, his uncle and uh, because he's a immature guy. And, but he has the hots for uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character, and Josh Gad is in the movie. He kind of plays like he puts on these like kid show. He goes on tour and does like these. He does a kid show, but he goes on tour to kind of entertain kids from places to play, or place to place. And so it's just like all of them kind of coming together and then trying to find a way to get out. Um, but it's a really silly movie. It's not. It's not tonally it's kind of all over the place it has some good moments has some charming moments lupita nuango uh is a badass in it uh she plays like taylor swift songs on the ukulele and uh can hold her own against uh, a zombie so there's some fun in it but it didn't necessarily blow me away or anything I, it was probably one of the weaklings of the the festival for me and but oddly and or crazy enough most of the movies i saw i didn't see like one like god awful movie at the festival which is uh kind of crazy because usually there's quite a few stinkers but um just uh bottom of the barrel uh or i guess mid barrel type stuff it doesn't really it's not complete shit but um and then there was snatchers this one was one that i was really excited about uh it kind of borrows from a lot of different films um like uh dead alive uh invasion of the body snatchers um alien aliens um so many movies that i could just list off and that they just do a good job of kind of uh being like a greatest hits collection while also kind of being its own thing um it's not super great but it's it's enjoyable has a nice energy to it it's kind of cut like a edward uh, Edgar Wright film, uh, especially toward the end of the film when they're like, uh, I guess I should say what it's about. It's about a, a, a girl that becomes pregnant within like a day and has a baby and delivers a baby to this alien thing. So kind of like it's alive and, uh, they have to, uh, kill this thing because it's like puppeteering people to kind of do malicious shit. So uh, it, it's fun. It has. It reminds me a lot of the tone of you might be a serial killer, or something like that, where it, it, it like rides on the border of being like mediocre or like kind of amateurly made, but it has a nice energy to it that makes it kind of fun and enjoyable. So a, a decent midnighter film, and that was Snatchers. Um, what else? Um, I. I yeah, I don't think I saw – there's one other thing, but yeah, I'm going to save that one. And I guess that's it. But um, the best films, which are not necessarily horror films, so I won't speak too much about them. Uh, there was this uh, – one of my favorites was The Art of Self-Defense, and it has Jesse Eisenberg in it and Imogen Poots, Imogen Poots from uh, Green Room. And it's, it's essentially kind of like a – uh, if you can imagine the Karate Kid, but if it was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, <laughs> um, 
like it, it oh man, my that, goodness. like that's that's what it is to a T. It has like a this kind of like matter of fact uh, dialogue delivery, like a, like the lobster in a killing of a sacred deer. So and I enjoy the hell out of those movies just because I find them so funny with their like uh, just probably delivering lines that would otherwise be really dumb, but the way that they deliver it just makes it just complete gold. And so, um, but the story is about, um, uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's character is kind of this uh, awkwardly or socially awkward dude. Like he is in a lot of movies, but, um, he, uh, one night gets beat up by a gang of bikers and then he wants to get his dignity back. So he joins this like strip, mall uh, karate uh, dojo and it's run by uh oh, what's his name alessandro novella I, I can't think of his, uh, his name but he's in uh he's in neon demon and he was also in jurassic park three uh really good he plays a sensei and he's really good in that role um and so yeah it's just about him kind of getting his dignity back and then they go to some like crazy dark places with the movie it gets just darker and darker and darker and it's just uh insane and enjoyable and funny and so i loved it so that was one of my favorites and then another big one that i really enjoyed uh, was book smart and it's a comedy uh teen comedy uh that's coming out in may this year um that it's essentially uh this is like the cheapest way that you could sell the movie is that it's a lot like uh, super bad in its structure and so it's about two teen girls who are about to graduate high school but they're like overachievers and uh spent dedicated all their time to studying and getting straight a's and getting into clubs and doing uh making sure they do everything that they can to look good on a college application so once once they're off to <clears throat> about to go off to college they realize that uh all their peers who were essentially dumb people um uh, that would uh they, they managed to get into good colleges too like yale and harvard and so they're just completely blown away that they wasted their entire uh youth and adolescence um studying when they could have just been doing both and so they uh party for one night uh, try to make up for the fact by partying for one night and it's just they get into a bunch of hijinks and uh, it's very funny and I, I have to probably admit that that one was my favorite one that I saw at the festival just because it was very funny and it was uh, directed by Olivia Wilde um, so yeah there there's there was those um, all those good films um, so I Saw a couple other stuff like Adopt a Highway, which was directed by Logan Marshall Green, who was in la uh, last year's Upgrade. Very good. So he just uh, directed his first film, stars Ethan Hawke, um, and it's, he gets out of prison and uh, finds a baby in a dumpster when he's working at a burger joint one day. And then it's just about a journey of him kind of finding himself, love and family. A very quiet movie, but a uh, very good performance from Ethan Hawke and not a horror movie at all, which is surprising, which even Logan Marshall Green uh, noted in his uh, introduction or his post-screening Q&A saying that, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm known for doing movies like The Invitation and Prometheus and Upgrade. And so I directed this uh, quiet, uh, reflective movie 
uh, that's being uh, done by Blumhouse. <laughs> so um, it was very short, but it was really good. Um, and then I saw, oh, Extraordinary. That was another movie that kind of falls into the horror genre a bit. Uh, it deals with ghosts, but it's uh, starts off very funny. Like um, It reminded me a lot of uh, ghost stories. Which one is and, that? Uh, huh? Which one is ghost stories? That one with uh, Martin Freeman, where it's like the anthology series. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, see, to, to me, that movie, like, it started off well, it finished well, but I just didn't really enjoy too much of everything in the middle. Uh, and and Extraordinary's uh, better to me than that film, but it kind of feels just like that, where like it saves like the concept of it, which is just. Uh, um, so imagine like all of the, the weird things that happen in your life when you pass by, like when you're driving and you see a tree branch move or something odd kind of happen. It's just ghosts. Like ghosts are haunting everything. They're haunting rocks. It's just like, they're the answer to like everything. And, um, so it's about a woman who has these, uh, ghost abilities where she can communicate with them and, uh, uh, communicate with them to be able to pass on to the afterlife. Um, and, uh, it's about her getting into falling for this one guy whose daughter, um, becomes, uh, sort of possessed, but she's in a coma and, um, but she's being kind of haunted by a ghost. Uh, there, there, I'm trying to dance around spoilers here, but there's there's a lot kind of going on, but it involves it's a story that kind of involves ghosts and it's a comedy and it's uh, it's an Irish film, uh, but it has Will Forte Will Forte in it. I like as Will this Forte. Kind of like, I like him. Yeah, and he's kind of a rock god in it. Who had a, a he's a one hit wonder kind of artist where he made one really good song, and so he's. Uh, trying to get his way back on top, so he's just uh, dabbling in the dark arts. <laughs> so um, he's uh, he's super fun in this film. The song that he has in the movie is is excellent. Um, so uh, some really good comedy, but it's it's got its dry moments. Um, but overall, decent. Um, so keep that on your radar. It doesn't have distribution at this, at this moment. So it could be up to a year before it comes out. And that's what makes South by Southwest so exciting is that some of these big movies you'll see, and they will come out like, you know, us, which is coming out next week on the 22nd of March. And then you'll see other ones where they come out in May or summer, late summer. And then some, they just do not have distribution at all. And it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be five years. You never know. So, um, just uh, take chances on things. And so I tried to do that as much as I could. Um, so I guess that's it. Um, and then, yeah, I'll talk about my other one uh, during our bloody recommendation section. Cool. And uh, before we go on to the next bit of news, you mm-hmm. are, you're headed back to South by this week to see the closing night film, right? I got two movies left. Um, so I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow morning, Friday morning to see a movie Friday night, which is the curse of La Giorna. Um, so I'm excited about that one. Uh, it could go either way. Uh, it could be something like on the nun quality 
<laughs> which sucks. Which 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 you don't like. I think it's okay, but not great. But um, I or it could be really good. It could be really great. Um, and it has Linda Cardellini in it. Uh, kind of deals with uh, Hispanic culture. Um, so uh, could be fun. Could be bad. I don't know. So I'll let you know next week. Um, and then of course the closing night film is Pet Cemetery. And I am dying to see it. I'm prepared. I rewatched the original. I've been reading the book again. And um, so I'm, I'm very eager to see it. And uh, I'll be talking to uh, the cast and filmmakers of that film um, on Sunday. Um, so I'll be able to talk about that as well uh, next week. Well, cool, 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 cool. I'm glad you're having a good time at South by Southwest. You're heading back there to see a couple horror movies. We'll hear all about it next week. But let's get to some more news. Speaking of Pet Cemetery, uh, Paramount Pictures uh, is going to release the new Pet Cemetery in the multi-sensory 4DX format. Holy shit. Um, I don't know if they've done this with a horror movie yet, but uh, with it, an immersive... Like with like auditory and smells and uh, like mists and stuff. Do you want that for like a dead animal movie? I mean, I think that's gonna really. <laughs> I, I I'm all for this. It sounds fucking badass, but I <laughs> I can't imagine what the smells are gonna be like. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting because you know we've always almost probably like eighty percent of this episode we've talked about films that are just have great sound or films that have great sound and kind of a great atmosphere and it just makes sense like it seems like it should have been done a long time ago with something like the witch or something like that that would have been perfect for uh that kind of format and so i haven't i've only seen two films in that format and that was blade runner 2049 and black panther and both of them were kind of a great experience even though uh Blade Runner is a very loud movie and it has a pounding score and a lot of big sound effects. And so you're just vibrating the entire time. But uh, Black Panther was a lot of fun. Uh, I saw that one in Cinemark West Plano and they have where the, where the chairs kind of rotate and move. And the ones at North Park in Dallas where I saw 2049 don't do that so uh kind of look into your theaters and see what all they have but uh yeah i i think if i love uh, pet cemetery i might have to go back and check it out in that format yeah we should do that uh together do you remember going to like arcades and stuff and they had that that like little van that you would get in and like there'd be like a roller coaster and like the van. yeah 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 i uh, Going to Pet Cemetery and something like that. I'm just, I'm very curious on all of that. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I don't, I, it could have been like some Six Flags or uh, SeaWorld or something like that. I went to it and they, they had like this Haunted Mansion type film that had Christopher Lloyd in it. Oh, and it yeah. was in, it was in like 4D and it like squirted you with water and all that stuff and had steam and smoke and all this stuff. So, yeah, like anything to kind of make the experience more immersive, I'm all for. Um, it it kind of makes it an exciting event uh, more than just a movie. So you can just uh, 
it just seemed like it would be fun to talk about amongst other people and just be like, yeah, I saw uh, Pet Cemetery like this and he did this at this moment. And so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very curious. Right. I'm yeah, a curious cat, you could say. A cu- he's curious like a cat. That's why we call them whiskers. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, there you can expect in this 4DX, like the motion seats, the wind, fog, rain, lightning, snow, bubbles, vibrations, scents, everything. You may even be dead by the end of it. You don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, so this film... So Paramount is c- coming out with the animated film Wonder Park and Pet Cemetery, the horror film, both in 4DX. Um, they will be in 624 theaters nationwide. 15 of those are in the U.S. So not a whole lot of theaters in the U.S. are doing it, but I think there might be one in Dallas or at least one in Texas doing it. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out if you see the 4D Plex. I'm curious on a horror movie of this caliber in 4DX. So we'll keep you posted on Pet Cemetery as well as next week when Preston gets back to us on how the remake is. But let's uh, let's move on. We have some amazing man-god Bruce Campbell news. And I don't know how I feel about this, actually. Uh, Netflix is coming out with a TV series called The Last Kids on Earth. And it's an animated series uh that will that was a series of books but now being turned into an animated series from Netflix and the voice cast is pretty crazy it's going to be Mark Hamill, Rosario Dawson, Catherine O'Hara, Keith David uh but also also it'll be Bruce Campbell is coming to this zombie animated series with Nick Wolfhard being the main character. Nick Wolfhard, of course, was in It and Stranger Things. So Finn Wolfhard? No, wait, Finn Wolfhard. Who's Nick Wolfhard? I, are they not the same person? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, Nick Wolfhard. Uh, thank you, Creston. For Finn. Finn. So Nick Wolfhard, not Finn Wolfhard. Nick, there's, I don't know no Nick Wolfhard. <laughs> yeah, there's only one. It's Finn, uh, who I guess is not in this. The Last Kids on Earth, uh, if you check it out in book form, it is a kid's book, and it's coming to Netflix, but Bruce Campbell will be uh, one of the voice actors, and I'm just kind of like... I mean, I guess he just gets to do his voice, but, you know, if he's still doing the zombie thing, I mean, don't you just go back to Evil Dead, man. We just want more of that. <laughs> we just, come on, this is the, it was the role you were born to play. And so, he played it. He, he's, he played it for a lot of years. I hope and he still yeah, does it. So we, we, I mean, you got to be thankful that we got what we got. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, the nail's in the coffin. Um, or at least that's what he says, but you know, it could always turn around one year. Um, but you know, I'm just, uh, I I just like that he's staying busy and working within the genre that we enjoy. And, uh, as much as I would love to kind of see him like do stuff in live action form because he's a great screen presence and, uh, more than just his voice. Um, this is a material that I enjoy and so, and that's a great cast. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's fine. Um, I guess we'll know for sure after we get a little taste of it, but, um, yeah, you know, you never know. could be really great and, or it could be really bad and then he'll find something else that you might like. 
Yep, I am. Uh, I am. I am excited about this just because you don't have. We have a the zombie market. The uh, in film and TV these days are very oversaturated, but we don't have an animated yeah. one really. So this right. sounds fun. Like I'm in. Yeah, like they could do some really impossible stuff it's, on that on that show. Yeah, especially with Ash, the Joker, Luke Skywalker, and Keith David. You know, come on. <laughs> That's yeah. Sign me up. Um, so, all right. So that is that. We'll update you more on that, uh, show hopefully when it comes out because that sounds fun. Let's move on to some really cool news, which I think is pretty funny, but also pretty badass. So, if any of you play video games, you probably heard of a video game called Left 4 Dead and then Left 4 Dead 2. So Left 4 Dead and Left 4, for Dead 2 were two amazing, incredible zombie games. Super scary, super fun, fast-paced. They were uh, put out on Valve a long time ago, and for like the past 10 years or so, they have not made a Left 4 Dead 3 because Valve is doing absolutely nothing with their time or money or anything to bring us anything good uh, everybody wants a Left 4 Dead 3. It doesn't look like it's happening. However, 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 the people who created and developed Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, the people uh, part of um, this, uh, this studio called Turtle Rock, they have nothing to do with Valve, are bringing back another another zombie game called Back for Blood. Kind of like Left 4 Dead. It seems like these creators are like, we want to put a zombie game out. Valve's not doing anything. We're going to do it ourselves. So it's going to be released from Turtle Rock and D- Warner Brothers Games. And it is going to be an amazing zombie uh, cooperative uh, first-person shooter. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, they say that it's going to be just amazing. Everything you like from Left 4 Dead, but better with state of the art technology. Preston, I know you don't play video games, but if you're a zombie fan, I know you would love the hell out of Left 4 Dead. And I'm just so excited that finally the people who made that are going to make basically a Left 4 Dead 3, but not call it Left 4 Dead 3. So... I am all in on this. I cannot wait. This is excellent, huge news. So, anything to say about that, Preston? I trust you. You trust me. He trusts me. So, we'll... I trust others. You and others will enjoy it. Yes. We got to get Preston into video games. <laughs> but uh, that's another conversation. So let's move on. Uh, let's let's talk about real quickly, just since this is the horror podcast, my bloody podcast. The United States Postal Service is doing a horror themed stamp coming out before October this year. They're going to be Halloween stamps with spooky ghouls and black cats and spiders and bats and ghosts on it. They'll be forever stamps, and I just think that's cool because it's very rare that you get a horror themed stamp. So yeah. uh, I might have to get into some stamp collecting. Oh God, to go with your steelbook collecting. It's a slippery <laughs> slope, my friend. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> like, uh, when you send that steelbook, please put a stamp on it. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. Uh, it's going to be fun. But yes, look out for those very soon at your local United States Postal Service. I'll definitely be getting some because they look pretty badass. They're all kind of like, they're kind of really cool colors. Uh, so yeah, like a lime mm. green, pumpkin orange, dark purple, and blood red. So man. Uh, let's also talk a more, another video game thing. And I'm just, I don't get it. I don't get who the hell said we're not doing this, but the national video game museum found concept art for an unmade alien versus predator football game that never made it. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding? Who's the asshole that said, no, this will not work because holy shit. All I want to do right now is play a video game, Alien vs. Predator football teams. I mean, really? Preston, doesn't this sound like the baddest ass thing in the world? Uh, yeah, that might uh, get me into playing video games. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? What a- this is what it takes. Ubisoft, come on. I mean, come on. I'm doing, I'm trying to do my Christopher Walken voice here. <laughs> I mean, come on. Can, <laughs> come you, do, on. can, you, can you do that? We need, we need an Alien versus Predator video game <laughs> today. <laughs> I don't know why it hasn't been made yet. Oh. What dumbass kept this up his ass for five long years? Oh my god. So the video game in question was called Cosmic Hardball. <laughs> it uh, was see, go- it's a great name too. It is. It was gonna be set in the year twenty seven zero two. And it's just kind of like, what is happening? Why didn't and, we and, get and, this? And somewhere in there they need a sprinkle. Uh, Bill Paxton saying, "Game over, man." When, when, when you lose or something. <laughs> Game over, man. Game that would that would. Oh yes, I mean, if by the the news of this, if some video game company doesn't do this, I just I'd just be real upset, really yeah. really upset. But this just sounds so cool, and I don't understand. Like, if I get, I mean, if it was being developed, they must have had the rights already, but. How did this not go forward? It just seemed... Um, I mean, it's... If you've ever played any of the recent, like, Mortal Kombat games, because uh, they're on, I think, 11 or 12 right now, but if you even played, like, last uh, Mortal Kombat, they have gotten the rights to all the horror movie villains, so you can play as Leatherface, Jason, Freddy, Alien, Predator, all of those people in the Mortal Kombat universe, and... It just like oh man, God, add a football game to that like Madden. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I just you're, you're opening the pool of possibilities. Oh, it's just like crossovers galore and it's just cosmic hardball. I yeah, mean, this is getting me thinking of uh, why. You remember when they were like dangling the idea of Twenty One Jump Street uh, being a crossover with uh, Men in Black? Do you remember that story? Yeah, no, I yes, I do remember that story. Yeah, yeah I God, I really wish that that, that would have happened. Uh, we need more stuff like this. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just like, hopefully whoever found this and it's like, yes, please, let's make this happen because I'm all over this and I just can't believe it never happened. <sighs> yeah. Okay, okay. I'm, I've calmed down. I've had I've had a sip of yeah. whatever I you, you if If you heard it here, then go tweet. Go social 
media about it and spread the anger and frustration, and maybe it'll turn around like uh, Deadpool did. There you go. There you go. Um, all right. I think our last bit of news, Preston, I'm going to look to you towards this if you know anything. Is there anything from Green Arrow or Scorpion releasing or Scream Factory coming out uh, soon? Um, there's been a couple that have come out this month that I've got my hands on. Um, I watched one yesterday and, uh, I'm going to butcher the name right now cause I heard somebody say it. Um, but it looks like it's spelled Colobos. Okay. Colobos. Yeah, I think it's Colobos. That's how I'd say it. Uh, I heard somebody say Colobos or something like that. Anyway. Um, watched that and I didn't like it. Um, uh, have you ever seen it? Not that I remember. No, no, it's, it's, uh, so this one's coming out from arrow video and it's, uh, like most of arrow videos films, like it looks really good. Love. Uh, I'm talking about the, the packaging itself, um, and the reverse cover art and that sort of thing. And, uh, just really enjoy, uh, what Aero Video does. It really makes it fun to be a collector. Um, a lot of good extras, and usually when the movies are pretty bad, the extras are always good. Um, so I've encountered this quite a bit uh, with Aero Video stuff and like MVD Rewind Collection and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I could not stand the movie at all. There's like, I wrote in my review um, that it's one of those films where you just want to throw your t- your remote at the TV screen. But uh, it's uh, got that uh, made-for-TV kind of aesthetic, and um, uh, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it at all. It's uh, five strangers uh, answer a newspaper ad, and they uh, participate in an experimental film, and uh, people start dying and that sort of thing. So it it has like that kind of premise, but uh, hard to get into because it was uh, done in a film. It was done in fun. I don't know. know. Maybe if you want to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. And I I think uh, another another Green Arrow one I think is coming out is Strip Nude for Your Killer. Have you watched that yet? I haven't. I didn't ask for that one. I know that you were excited about that one just from the title, but I don't know, man. I have uh, limitations as a viewer. What? Uh, what, what are, what are these so limitations? Watching, I I don't want to feel completely nasty after watching one. I I I can watch some crazy ass shit, but uh, I don't know. Watching women get their uh, dresses ripped open and mutilated in a maniac kind of way is uh, kind of insane to watch now. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I guess th- when it, when it comes to movies like that, I can just feel my wife's presence, and she's just like, "What are you watching?" I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm being judged, even though I'm alone. And so, I don't know. I just, I, I just can't justify watching something like that. But uh, I could probably watch it with you because we could probably enjoy it, uh, uh, having a, our own commentary and that sort of thing. But uh, for for watching it in my own household, I don't know if I could do that. Damn it! We need to have like a bi-weekly movie night, and we just need to watch these types of movies. 
So it is said, so it will be done. Let's hope so. Uh, but I think that wraps <laughs> up uh, news for episode 42 of my bloody podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Oh, I also like how you called it Green Arrow. Oh, not Green Arrow. <laughs> Arrow Video. Arrow Video. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to get this Green Arrow stuff out of my head. Uh, don't ask, don't tell. So, (laughs) um, let's move on to my bloody question, which is a weekly question that we ask each other in the horror, uh, the horror realm. And then we bring it to the internet on Reddit and have fans of the show and fans of the horror Reddit subreddit, uh, give us their answers. And we've had some good luck in the past with these, (laughs) And since our main uh, feature today, our feature presentation is climax, we kind of kind of hinted at this question a little bit. Uh, but our question today, our question this week is: If you could go on a fear and loathing in Las Vegas trip with a horror movie character, who would it be? So, you and a horror movie character, it could be the hero, the villain, the monster, you're taking a drug-induced road trip to Las Vegas, who would you pick to be your roadmate? Also, what drugs would you partake in, and what debauchery would take place? Just let me know your adventures. Uh, Preston, <laughs> I think, I just, we've got some good answers so far on Reddit, so... Um, I, but I want to ask Preston first. Uh, I'm I'm very curious because I've I've never actually like traveled with Preston, but Preston and I have been like in other parts of the world together, but we just haven't traveled there together. So I'm just curious on what type of road trip Preston is all about here. Okay. Um. Assuming that I would partake in these crazy ass drugs, um, I would go on a adventure with everything that you can partake in, uh, cocaine, shrooms, acid, just because I would like to see what sort of a conversations I would have with this, uh, monster, um, so, and I think somebody, uh, I, I like looked at the notes or, or what other people said on Reddit right before uh, we started the show because I wanted to know if anybody else picked mine and they did. So somebody has my pick as well. So uh, I picked Chucky um, <laughs> just cause I would like to know, I would just like to know like, uh, because he's similar to uh, Freddie in a lot of ways in that he's very whimsical, has a lot of good lines. And, uh, I just would like to get in deeper inside his mind. He'd be but fun, if to, I tried he'd to, be do fun that, to talk to like on the road trip, you yeah. pass somebody and be like, Oh man, we got to kill this. Like, bitch. Like, he, like bride, bride of Chucky, Chucky would be fun. Um, but yeah, if I tried to ask these or go on one of these adventures with Freddie, um, it would be too normal to him, I would think, like because his whole uh, it's too familiar to him to like kind of create uh, 
bad trips in a way because that's what it looks like in his dreams so uh yeah chucky going on a trip with chucky and just uh seeing like how he handles shrooms and what kind of conversations we would have together so yeah chucky (laughs) i like that I, i like it um i guess you want to hear mine yeah all right I would drive in an old Cadillac convertible with a samurai sword with Tim Curry's The Darkness uh, from Legend. (laughs) And we would take acid, mushrooms, (laughs) and peyote in the desert and wander to the strip for some good old-fashioned gambling and other what-have-yous. Because I think The Darkness just... That character would be so much fun to ride with and can make anything happen. It would be fun to do all these drugs with him. Uh, especially acid mushrooms peyote just because that's all this really crazy psychedelic shit and i feel like we would be on like a spiritual journey of mayhem uh (laughs) i don't know i i'm i would love to do that just because it's the darkness i think that's what we and then maybe we become into the lightness i don't know but uh that would be my my pick but let's go over to reddit um the my favorite one i think is the first one which is makes me laugh uh refreshing feedback said the xenomorph and crocodile bath salts and meth go big or go home <laughs> and oh my <laughs> absolutely why not <laughs> bath salts and meth go big or go home i like that did you like that yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and, and then he also said, let's make that movie, Eli Roth Directs. I don't know if I feel about Eli Roth <laughs> directing, but we'll go. Um, Pulse Maggot says, Nick Cage from Mandy, fun times. And I would say, <laughs> yeah, like the last 10 minutes of that movie, holy God, yes. When he just goes insane, that would be pretty cool. Uh, Dr. Carrion Crow. Because the rest of the movie is shit, Brian. No, it's not. It's still good. I like that movie. You need to watch it again. Uh, spoiler alert for you people out there. Um, Preston did not like Mandy, so it's really weird. He should like it. But uh, Dr. Carrion Crow said, Chop Top and Leatherface. Get us some high-grade acid pot and plenty of vodka for our barbecue-filled murder extravaganza. (laughs) And I just, like, I think back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 when they're having, like, the car chase and how fun that would be to go to Vegas with them in that state of mind. Would you do that? Yeah. I would do that. Perhaps. Perhaps he would. Uh, the Crow Show. The Crow Show. Uh, our friend Adrian from Canada. He goes to Fantastic Fest. You can find him on Twitch at The Crow Show. He said Hudson from Aliens, which is really funny. Imagine him freaking out while doing acid. <laughs> if anyone started some shit, he would kick some ass and delivery f- deliver funny one-liners nonstop. And <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Just to have him there, I, think. I don't know if he's paranoid and real uh, without drugs. Uh, him on it would be like, uh, I'm just gonna shoot him. Yep, you, you, he might make you too paranoid, and I think it's a funny 
idea, but I feel like he's all talk and he would like, oh, no, I don't want to do any of this. Hey, man. So Hudson from Aliens, The Crow Show. And then The Unclean 17 uh, had uh, Preston's pick. Chucky from Child's Play, a huge bag of coke and some weed for the post-killing banter. If I could invite another <laughs> character, I would have uh, I would have one of the Native Americans from Bone Tomahawk to freak out and murder the Vegas crowd. <laughs> he would take the heat of Chucky <laughs> and uh, go buck wild. <laughs> no drugs for the Bone Tomahawk guy, though. He's too wild. <laughs> so... The Unclean 17 really thought about this, which I thought was pretty funny. And Aiden Riff, oh my God, he said Monica Bellalucci from Irreversible, Oxys and Coke. And I'm just like, if you, uh, if you know about this movie, you've seen it, and you're just like, oh God, where is this guy going with it? Uh, it doesn't make sense. And then Scribble Poet said Christian Bale and Heath Ledger as Batman and the Joker. Uh, with fake blue opium poppy because I don't use addictive life withering recreational chemicals and plants. So uh, there you go. Who scribble poet? Thank you so much. But I think that's all so far for. Oh, do we have another one? No, I was just thinking of Christian Bale and American Psycho. Um, he, he, you know, I thought a lot about that when he posed this question. Of like, there's so many characters that would be fun to kind of observe, but I wouldn't want to be in their presence because I, you know, some people may think, uh, Jason, what would Jason be like? But I've seen Jason X when he's in that V, uh, VR thing and, uh, uh, he still kills people. So, uh, he'll, he'll freak out on you. So it just, I, I can just imagine most horror characters kind of going in that direction where they just have really bad trips and, uh, leave nothing left. So, uh, but I think uh, just kind of getting into the dialogue and the types of uh, philosophies that uh, uh, Bateman is that his name? I can't remember his name. Patrick from American Bateman? Psycho, but Patrick Bateman. Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say Jason Bateman. Um, that would be unique to see. But he would still kill you. Yep, he would. And I would have to say that a friend of mine from from Fantastic Fest, Alex the Holdout, uh, came up with an answer. And he said, Leprechaun 3 already did it. <laughs> if you've seen Leprechaun 3, took place in Vegas. So, uh, so yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. But give Alex the Holdout uh, a little shout out there. So, um, let's move on. Let's uh, let's let's uh, move on to to bloody recommendations. And I'm very excited to hear what uh, Preston has recommended us for from South from South by. I'm very excited. What do you think it is? Oh my! Do you have any idea? I have no, I have no idea. Hopefully, it's the one I sent you. Like I, I think when Preston was about to go, I, I saw this promo art for this poster that I think that it was just called like porn or something like that. But it looked like crazy, and Preston was like, "I'm not porn. going to see this." <laughs> porno? <laughs> no, it is not porno. Uh, it is what we do in the shadows. 
I can finally talk about it now. Oh my, you saw what we do in the shadows. That's right. Because if I remember correctly, I don't know if you actually like this or not, but I think maybe you revisited it and you liked it. I don't know. I've heard different things from different people about this. So I'm very excited. What we do in the shadows, of course, we love the movie, but there's a new thing out there. And Preston got to see it. Damn it. So how was it? Okay. So yeah, it's coming out on uh, through FX uh, on March twenty seventh, I believe. Um, but so yeah, it's a it's a series form of the two thousand fourteen film, which was also based, which that was based on a two thousand and three or five or some somewhere in that area, mid two thousands short film. Um, so it does not feature the characters from. Uh, the 2014 film, so don't expect to see Taika Waititi in front of the camera or Jermaine Clements in front of the camera, but they are behind the camera. Uh, Taika Waititi directed the first episode, the pilot episode, which is the only episode that played at um, at uh, South by Southwest, uh, but I was able to see the first four episodes because I review stuff that comes from uh, FX, and so I watched the first four episodes and I had a ball with it um i will admit the first time I, I i've watched it twice so the first time i watched it um at least probably the first two episodes man i watched it probably at 11 o'clock at night the first night that i got the email that the screeners were available and i popped it in and i was exhausted so i was very delirious and i just was not getting into it but then i watched it later and man i was so I guess I watched the pilot episode three times now because um, I did watch it again at uh, at South by Southwest because I wanted to see Taika Waititi and I wanted to see Jermaine Clements introduce it. And man, those guys are just on a whole other level. Uh, the, it was probably one of the funniest Q&As and introductions I've ever seen because they just didn't care. They didn't care. They, they were just uh, – it, it almost seemed like they were like upset that – it even was a series and so they're like yeah they just wanted to they just gave us money and we uh decided to make it and uh here we are but uh, you know who cares uh, so they just their banter it's just so great to see because you can kind of just see where uh the their type of dialogue that you see in their films like eagle versus shark and what we do in the shadows and uh, thor ragnarok um, and just kind of see it live in person. And it's just like, man, that is them. They are their characters. They, it's just amazing to see. So, man, I had a ball, uh, I'm going to say a ball again, but I just had a great time watching, uh, that. And, um, so yeah, the series. So this time, um, we're in Staten Island and, uh, there are th- four characters. Um, so, I'm not going to remember all their names, but uh, so we have the main one. Um, maybe I should probably look it up because it probably make it a little easier. But um, overall, uh, the tone of the show is very similar to the film. And um, so if you if you really loved the film, you will also enjoy the show. There's a lot of things that still kind of align. Like there's a lot of jokes that kind of carry over. Um, there's the you know, the infamous shot or not infamous, but just famous shot of the characters like hissing at each other when they're having a quarrel. 
and uh, things like that. But the show also does a lot of new things uh, because it's in series form. They can expand upon ideas, bring new ideas to the table. And that was my fear. I was like, what can they really do? Because it almost seems like this is this material is just only ripe for uh, like one 90 minute long movie but it just seemed like at a certain point you you would run out of ideas but uh the this series uh is proving me wrong uh, episode by episode they're just finding new ways to kind of make it fun and unique and so uh so we have four characters and uh one's like the leader uh guy or self-declared leader um there's a bit of like a leadership uh, issue there where the rest of the gang kind of gives this guy a hard time, but uh, he's just trying to be impressive and do things uh, to uh, impress. Uh, oh, man, I, I'm just, I, I'm just, this is just in general. I am very terrible with character names and names in general. And so uh, I would have to like watch it like more and more and spend a lot of time with these characters kind of know all their names. But, um, let me look it up. Cause I'm, I, it's bothering me that I don't know their names. Well, I'm curious, what like, do. do you, do you miss any of the stuff from the film? Like any of the characters, do you wish they were here or do, do you, is it like its own thing? And you immediately like, okay, I'm not missing them completely. I think you'll have your guard up when you're watching it. Because uh, I certainly did when I first watched it. Um, I, it's almost like you go in with your red pen ready. Like you're just ready to write it off. And uh, there's moments where, like I said, with the hissing thing and some other stuff, where I think it's just trying to bridge the two. Like it's at least trying to uh, bring show the familiarity. or sh- Yeah. And But uh, quickly things... Uh, they, they begin to go into a new direction and the characters do uh, more fun things. So uh, the, the main focus of the, of the show is on uh, this character named Guillermo. Um, so he is a vampire familiar. And so he's the one that is uh, serving his master, which is Nandor um, played by uh, Kevin uh, Novak. And he is fantastic in this role. Um, all the, all of the characters are like uh, they're very unique and different from the show. Um, um, what else we got? We have uh, Nausea, played by Natasha Dimitrio. Um, butchering the names, I'm sure. Uh, Matt Barry plays Lazo or Lazo, and uh, we have uh, Mark. Uh, po- God, man, I just very bad at names. Uh, Crotch uh, plays Colin Robinson. So I got to talk about this guy's character for a minute because this is one of the reasons why this show is different. If you've seen the trailer, um, you you saw his character. He kind of looks like an average guy, like somebody uh, you would see uh, kind of rummaging around the office, annoying you. And that's what his character is. So he has like the the widest name that you can have, Colin <laughs> Robinson. And he is a energy vampire where he uh, bores you to death through conversation. Energy out of you doesn't. 
And uh, he also tries to uh, piss you off or make you upset or frustrated. And in the trailer that you can see, he's like sharpening a pencil, like irritating people nearby. So that was just fun that they found something that uh, most people deal with uh, from the office and or amongst the family. Like we all get stuck in a conversation where we just want to abandon ship right away. And the fact that they brought that in and made it part of the show and made that person a vampire is hilarious. So that guy is the scene stealer. Um, but there's also, uh, Lazio, um, Lazo, um, who was probably my favorite character because he has all the best lines. And so, um, I could sit here all day, just like listening to them. So I'm excited for Brian, uh, you Brian to, watch the show because I think you'll have a, a damn good time with it. So, um, overall, like just the characters are a lot of fun. They're very different and, uh, have a lot of energy and they're just going new places. The werewolves are there later on. They do stuff. Uh, uh, the, the dark, uh, I guess the ultimate vampire who is like the leader. Um, he, was one of my favorite characters. He pops up in the first episode and uh, they ship him over from someplace over east, like uh, Transylvania. And he's ever seen. Like they went all out of making him look like he's just a thousand years old, has white hair, kind of like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, but uh, with his hair down. And he has no genitals, and they poke fun at that in the show. Uh, they say it looks like paper mache. <laughs> um, <coughs> so um, just imagine watching this like scary. So this is what I was thinking of uh, when you were talking about your uh, uh, Tim Curry from Legend uh, being on drugs. This is what I would imagine it would be like. So he starts off like with the scariest voice. His scariest presence, red eyes, like he comes out of the coffin as soon as he ships overseas. And so everybody's just like eager to open the coffin and meet him um, again. And uh, and so they let him out and then he just bites into somebody, drinks their blood. And you're like, oh, fuck. Um, but then uh, he's just uh, baffled that a camera crew is there. So they... they make that apparent uh like they so they're recognizing that the camera crew is there so i don't know there, there's just like a lot to talk about and um just overall i was super pleased with it and by the third or fourth episode i was like this is this is gold um i think people are gonna enjoy it so um watch the pilot and uh just give it time and it it'll you'll enjoy it. Um, so by the, even the second episode, I was laughing my ass off. Uh, Lazio does this bit where whenever he turns into a bat, uh, he'll just go bat and just turn into a bat. And then when he goes into human form and say human form. And so they're just having like all kinds of fun in it. And I just was eating it all up. So what we do in the shadows on FX saw that South by had a great time comes out on effects on march 27th i believe and you'll have a good time 
Sweet, 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 sweet. Uh, I really want to see this because I'm a big fan of the original film, and I'm glad that you uh, you enjoying it. Yeah, very long winded, but uh, there's just like a lot to talk about, and I'm just like excited about it. But uh, bottom line, see it. Cool, cool. There you go. Uh, my bloody recommendation of the day uh, actually is from 1991, and it stars Preston's best friend. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Um, <laughs> with uh, Peter Weller, I'm yep. assuming. Yes. Um, uh, 1991. Uh, I can't think of what he was in the early 90s. Uh, unless you're talking about uh, Naked Lunch. That is correct. Naked Lunch is what I'm recommending today because to go in line with our feature presentations, kind of like drug induced. Naked Lunch. Some people would say it's not a horror movie. It's a fucking horror movie. Yes, it is. Because this movie is so crazy. It's a David Cronenberg movie. Cronenberg only, only makes weird, messed up horror films. Uh, and this one stars Peter Weller called Naked Lunch. He plays an exterminator who uh, he gets high. People are getting high on the incesticide. Uh, this bug powder and he begins to hallucinate along with other people and there are aliens and monsters and a and a like a really weird alien like typewriter and they like there there's murder and all sorts of gigantic centipedes and it's have you seen Naked Lunch Preston? Of course, yeah, I have it on Criterion. Okay, good. Yes, it is part of the Criterion, but this movie is so much fun. It's drug-fueled, uh, hallucinogenic comedy horror film. Would you call it a comedy horror? Or would you call it a drama? Um, probably more of a drama, but I find myself laughing at it. Okay, you don't think it's, it could be in a horror movie at all? No, I think it could be. Okay. I think you can make arguments. No, this, this movie is so good. It's actually based on... Uh, William S. Burroughs' 1959 novel of the same name. And uh, it didn't do too well in the theater, but it's become a big cult classic. It's part of the Criterion Collection. And it's just, it's a crazy movie. It's a, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's, it's got a great score uh, and from Howard Shore and some jazz stuff in there. But it's... It, I think I'm recommending it because even if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, it's still worth the check out still because it's just so out there and they don't make movies like this really anymore, you know? And it's like Peter Weller, like, would you say this is one of Peter Weller's, like, I guess we don't mention it like along with Robocop or anything else, but like, this is a cool movie for him, right? Yeah, I, th I honestly think it's his best role. Did, as often as you've talked to him, because y'all are best friends, does he? Do you ever bring up this film? Um, not really. Like he doesn't. He doesn't bring up any of his uh, big, big movies that are like uh, Buckaroo Banzai, Naked Lunch, and RoboCop. He doesn't like to talk about those as much, just because they tend to get more attention. 
uh, he seems to love screamers when I talked to him <laughs> about that. So, he, um, and then there was one other film that he liked a lot that I think came out in the mid nineties or 94 or something like that, though. It's not a sci-fi movie or anything like that at all. But, uh, um, yeah, he, I guess he likes like the, his other work. Uh, he even liked, uh, of unknown origin and stuff like that. So I don't know. He like. He likes uh, talking about the stuff that, yeah, doesn't get recognized as much. Okay. Well, there you go. But, yeah, but, take it. Sh- look at this film, Naked Lunch. It's on Criterion. Just go buy it because it's worth your money. Uh, and there's tons of great stuff on it. But it's like I read you or uh, told you about basically the gist of the film. And it's, it's, it's just insane. And I think that kind of ties into our our feature presentation which is climax uh but yes before before we'll we'll bring you back to uh what we do in the shadows tv series and naked lunch but let's talk about climax our feature presentation on our 42nd episode of my bloody podcast climax from gaspar no gaspar no the french filmmaker who has probably had more people walk out of his movies than any other filmmaker out there. Uh, he did Irreversible, I Stand Alone, Enter the Void, um, was it called Love, and a few other short films, but his latest one is called Climax, and I'd like to say that it is a thrilling musical journey straight into hell. And it is so good on so many levels. I know Preston and I sat hand-in-hand watching this movie and just, I'm just, oh, I loved it. Preston, what do you think? Oh, yes, I loved it too. It's one of my favorites this year and uh, will be one that I'm, I will talk about for the rest of the year. But uh, yeah, um, there's, the movie opens in such a way where it could just take so many different directions. It opens with, a young woman walking out in the snow covered in blood and the camera's just above her and the score is kind of given this uh, uneasy feeling that um, like we're watching uh, something, uh, a clip from the end uh, being shown at the beginning. So we can uh, only guess at what may have happened. Is this woman the final girl or, or what? Like, uh, uh, you just know that you're watching a Gaspar No film, and, and she's you're, got blood on her. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're when you walk and, into a Gaspar No movie, you're just waiting for the shit to hit the fan. <laughs> just like when yeah. is it going to start happening? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and they they were comparing like a film. Uh, to like uh, EDM or something like that, where you're just like, and that's what that that feels like. And like, like you're watching this film, it's just like, when's when's the when's the beat gonna drop? And you're just gonna be like, Ugh! oh my god, yes. And it's it's crazy, but, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, but uh, I guess I guess we should say what the plot is about. Yeah. So what I think, what like in a gist of you know. The the movie, the opening like five minutes of the film shows an old school TV and all these people who are 
auditioning to become part of a dance troupe, a big dance troupe, and you get to know about them. But on either side of the TV are a stack of books and a stack of movies. And these books and movies, if you start to look at the titles, you're like, oh God, these are really fucked up movies and books. Like Salo, 120 Days of Sodom, Suspiria, Zombie. And each of these movies and books, you're like, yeah, Possession. You're going to be like, oh God, each of these are going to play a role in this movie to come in some form. And boy, does it. So these dancers who we all see on the TV are now on their last day of rehearsal about to go tour. And they're having a party where they've been cooped up in this abandoned school, living and practicing together. And they have their party, their sangria, but in the sangria, it is spiked with LSD. And from then on, everybody starts to trip out, and it goes super violent, super crazy, very fast. And I think that's like really the overall vague interpretation of it, right, Preston? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. <laughs> it's It's really simple storytelling, but... How Gaspar uses his camera and how he introduces us to the character. Because, like, right after that scene where you see him audition just on the TV, it's like a 15 minute dance number, which is. Yeah, unbroken shot. Yeah, one shot. And it's an insane dance number. And then after that, he cuts several times to different people talking. So you get dialogue in like a little bit about what each character is like, which is great because by the end of the film, even though there's so many people, you know exactly who is who. Uh, but Preston, I know you have something to say about at least these first two opening scenes, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love that. It's almost like we get two big sections of the film to kind of get to know these characters. We kind of get to know like uh, what their aspirations are, what their goals are from watching uh, their audition tapes uh, because you can kind of get a feel like it's like watching like real audition tapes and uh, interv- the interview process to why they want to be, uh, why they want to dance. And some of them say like, uh, if I didn't have dance, I'd rather be dead. And, uh, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Um, and then we get into the dance number, and the dance number is just absolutely mesmerizing. Um, I uh, had the chance to speak with Gaspar No about the film, and he spoke extensively about uh, wanting to get the best dancers that he could for the film because he hates when he watches movies about artists, whether that's uh, musicians, uh, painters or dancers. And you feel like, uh, kind of like, um, I'm thinking of velvet buzzsaw a little bit, uh, when you're, cause you're, you're supposed to believe that the art that you're seeing is some of the best art you ever seen, but then you're like, is it really, is it, is it the best art? So you, there's films that you've watched I'm, I'm sure where you've seen things and it's almost like the audience is like shoving information in front of you and you're supposed to accept it and so Gaspar No really wanted you to believe that these dancers were in fact fantastic dancers and they are um, so they're like doing thing pops and slides and all kinds of shit that I've never seen in my life and uh 
it just has like this organic feel to it. Like I know that they had like a short window of time that they uh, practiced all this stuff. I think they rehearsed it in like a day or something like that. Some just really insane window. And um, the way that the camera kind of moves around them is insane. It's like on a crane and it's just twirling around them in interesting ways. And that's something that Gaspar Noe has always been very good at in his films. Like he uses the camera to kind of convey emotion. And so to see dancers can express themselves uh, on screen while Gaspar's moving his camera around them in an interesting way, it's just like they're both dancing with each other. And it, uh, it makes for a very unique experience. So you go from that. Uh, and the camera doesn't break yet after they finish dancing. You, you get to see uh, it like follows them around. Uh, like it's like passing the camera around like a football a little bit as you're getting to first know them and uh, them t- uh, when they start drinking the sangria itself. And then we cut to what Brian, what you were saying about where it's just like a static shot of of uh certain characters uh talking to each other like they'd be paired off and they'll be talking with to each other um and this at this point you get to see like their darkest side of themselves there's there's like two guys talking about uh what uh sex with women and the sorts of things that they do and it's uh very disturbing but uh there's like an honesty to it and it's very funny. And so, and then, uh, once they, the night goes on and they start drinking more of the devil's juice, um, uh, shit gets really crazy. Yeah. It's, and, yeah, uh, I, it's, it dives into a very dark territory where, yeah. These somewhat sane people almost start like really encouraging a lot of violence and torture and God knows what else, getting into fights with each other and just not having a care in the world while also having, like the movie says, climax, like an maybe an overall like really good sexual feeling about it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what makes those scenes crazy um, is how how quickly people just like gang up on each other. It's crazy, um, like at the drop of a hat. Yes. Yeah, it, it's just like manipulation, and like everything is just at work. And so, in and you can just imagine, like you you feel like you're in that space with them. Like you feel like you've went through all of the motions of the characters. And like you're uh, tripping out um, with the characters because the camera does very interesting things to kind of put you in that state. There's even like a section of the film where it's just absolutely insane. The camera just like is rotating around upside down even like there's uh, especially once it gets really late in the night and you start seeing people gang up on each other beating the shit out of each other hair catching on fire broken ribs uh uh throwing people outside um but everything unfolds in a very real realistic way um at first because i didn't really know what to expect if um 
because uh, I, I wrote in my review, like, it's not like uh, that Florida uh, video that went viral of that guy that was high on bath salts and he was like eating somebody. Right. And so it doesn't it doesn't go to that level. It doesn't go to B horror movie to the B horror movie extreme. No, but and I asked, uh, which is good, I think. And did he, did he talk about yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. I asked him about that. I was like, there's a certain point in the film where he could have taken that direction, but he doesn't, he restrains himself and it feels like it's still insane. Like everybody at the end of the film was still like, like one lady stood up and was like, don't do drugs people. And, um, yeah, <laughs> if, uh, you need, uh, they should show this at like, uh, AA meetings or something. I don't know. Um, or dare. Um, but yeah, I asked him about that and he said that he, uh, yeah, always wanted to kind of keep it in balance and wanted it to feel realistic. Um, um, he, he watched a bunch of video, YouTube videos and shared it with, uh, the cast members to kind of show like, this is what it can look like. This is what drugs uh, how how bad it can get and so he only had like a five page script and uh, Irreversible was also a three page script yet yeah, that was like Climax and Irreversible are his two uh, most commercial films and then he he brought up Enter the Void which uh, was like a 128 page script or something like that and he said that like he likes that film but it can just show you that the process uh, um like it's it's more it gives him more room to be creative to kind of just come up with stuff on the spot with the actors and in this case a lot of real dancers besides uh, Sofia Patella from uh, Kingsman and uh, Atomic Blonde and Star Trek Beyond but um but they just like the it was just very loose on set and so they were uh, um but yet, when you're watching it, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't guess that at all. You feel like everything has been mapped out; it's calculated. But it it just unfolds like everything unfolds all the way to the end in a very realistic way, and you could just see that if you were on drugs, uh, like having a bad trip, that that's that's how it would go down. Especially um, with so crazy ass dancers, like what, like. As, yeah, yeah, where like egos are in the picture, and yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it gets super terrifying because you know, like Preston said, how there's not like really any B movie horror to it, or like people like eating faces, like the Florida zombie guy. Uh, but there are like you know crazy dancers that they can contort like their bodies type moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's dancers that can contort their bodies, and when they do it on these drugs, actually will like try to break their bones doing it, and you'll hear break. the crunch. Yeah, break their bones. Yeah. And it's, it's, ooh, it's, yeah. and then, you know, towards the end of the film, there's like a 15 minute, like all in one shot where you feel like you're actually in one of the seven layers of hell from Dante and how he, Gaspar yeah. No is filming this and using his camera where everybody's convulsing or in ecstasy or doing insane amounts of stuff. You're like, we are not in this abandoned school not watching dancers, we are actually watching demons in hell trying to escape or something like that. And how he pulled that off with what he did and how he did it 
and with what he had, it's just unbelievably cool and amazing. And also a beautiful piece of cinema, I think, because nobody's done this. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's like um, it's like an 11-minute short that's just stretched out in very interesting ways. It is, and like how um, he uses those tracking shots to like follow one character, and then when he passes another, the camera stops, and we follow them for a bit through like these crazy yeah. hallways. And yeah, there's there's a lot going on. There's 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 a lot between the lines. Uh, it's uh, it's at a certain point it becomes more of like a visual story more than like a story story, like having like a lot of dialogue, but. Uh, yeah, it just re- it does a very good job of kind of like painting the picture and putting you in that uh, in the hot seat and uh, watching chaos just unfold. And there's like one character who's uh, who they suspect is the because per- that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to figure out who actually uh, uh, put the LSD in the juice in the sangria and. Uh, so as soon as somebody like points a finger, everybody else is like pointing their finger at them. And, uh, there's even a scene where they're like trying to convince somebody to like kill themselves. And it's, uh, terrifying. And uh, especially since the person who's, uh, uh, going to the level of harming themselves is not even on drugs. And just to, just to, I don't know. It just puts uh, it puts a lot of fear in you that that pe- that people can go to that level if they're uh, on the wrong stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just overall, I was just very impressed with uh, the way that he chose to like subtly uh, break the film up into different chapters. Um, the film opens with its end credits. Um, like probably the, the three minutes in the in the whole in credits show, which, which is very and then which they, about, yeah, which they do in uh, irreversible. Yeah, right. And about forty five minutes in, you get the opening credits. <laughs> it's just like flashing awesome. graphics, <laughs> and uh, it's very bizarre. But then it, they break up each of the sections of the film with like quotes or something to, uh, so, yeah, some sort of phrase like a uh, death is a, is an amazing experience or something like that. Um, and, and there's a kid in the film and how they handle that situation is, is, uh, really gets, uh, really had me like grinding my teeth. <laughs> um, so Yeah. Uh, just a fantastic film, and I, uh, I I had mentioned I think last week or the week before that I bought the Arrow video release, uh, the Region B version, because um, it's not out. It's out in theaters now, uh, but not out on disc. But I just couldn't wait because there's I love uh, Arrow video as I mentioned, and they had a lot of cool stuff, and so I I uh, watched all the extras and. Uh, had brought that up to Gaspar. There's a really great uh, video essay uh, on the Arrow release where it's like, I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes long or something like that, maybe longer, um, where it breaks down his career and you you see all the shots from Climax and how 
uh, he uses different styles of film in climax, but you can see that in other pieces of his work, like irreversible or music videos that he's done or shorts that he's done. And, um, they, they brought up like one poster that they've been using for advertising this film. So all the films that, uh, Brian listed off earlier that he's done, uh, I stand alone. So, uh, um, the poster says, you despised, I stand alone, you hated irreversible, you loathed, entered the, wo- or entered the void, you cursed love, now dry climax. And it's just a picture of Gaspar toasting to you with the sangria cup. And uh, I asked him about that um, because I was like, you, you're using like all these bad reviews for it. He's like, I, at this point in my career, um, because I'm just so used to bad reviews, I just love reading them. I love reading like the really mean ones. And so I made a poster out of it. And uh, I just think that's awesome. I, I his, his work is very comparable to uh, something like Nicholas Winden Refn does or Lons von Trier, where you... Uh, some people will just flat out love it like Brian and I did with Climax. And then there's others, especially when we watched it, there's people that clearly didn't like it, uh, that just straight that hate it. And there's just like no middle ground. There's nobody that just walks out of all three of those directors films. And it's just like, yeah, I like this. Didn't like that. But uh, you just either love it or you hate it. But uh, bottom line, you'll never forget it. Um, and so that's how all their films pretty much are. They just fall into that column. And uh, that's that's how Climax is for sure. Um, but I fell, Brian and I both fell on the side of just absolutely adoring it. And uh, yeah. And I uh, like all Climax. of his other movies. So shit. yeah, and I'm just yeah. a huge fan of those. And the music's amazing because there's a lot of rock music like Daft Punk, Rolling Stone, Soft Cell again with other than the soundtrack is killer uh and with a lot of those long winding shots you just got to be thinking like man he's paying homage to like somebody like stanley kubrick here and there and uh all these other films and he puts it all into this crazy dance film that oh it's just it's so good please go see uh go see this movie climax because it's not playing a whole lot of places in fact i think in dallas it's only playing at one place right Playing at three theaters, yeah, in Dallas at the Texas Theater and Alamo Draft House Cedars and um, uh, Landmark the Magnolia. So not playing at a lot of theaters. Uh, I think in Austin, while we were at South by, it was playing at the Alamo Draft House and stuff like that. But it's a movie that really needs to be seen in theaters, um, it, just because there's a there's a lot of stunning visual work and the colors and uh, just wanting to. Like you need to be in that experience, like uh, in that space, and I feel like you kind of get it. You you pay better attention when you're watching it in a, in an actual theater, and so uh, highly recommend watching it in theater if you can. Um, I, I had like one guy uh, Instagram message me and said, uh, like the nearest theater is like an hour away. Should I go see it? I was like, absolutely, you should. So, um, yeah, definitely do that. 
Yeah, that is the way to go. Gaspar No Climax. That wraps up our amazing 42nd episode of My Bloody Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. We had a lot of fun today. Please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in on our bloody questions. Let us know who you want to go to Las Vegas with on a drug-fueled bender. And uh, don't forget to watch the TV series when it comes out, what we do in the shadows, and of course, get that criterion of naked lunch and go see Climax, Gaspar No is becoming, my God, don't you just want phase four or phase five of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Gaspar No style? Yes. Yes, you do. I mean, I do, but yes. We are my bloody podcast. He would never do it. He, he might. You never know. They might like, here's $50 million. And he'll take that $50 million and make 50 amazing movies after he makes the Marvel film. But. Uh, he strikes me as somebody like uh, Heath Ledger's Joker, where he would just have all that money and just burn it. <laughs> the, the badass. That's awesome. God, I want to talk to him so badly. Um sweet deal uh what else what else can i say uh yeah we're, we're on itunes and stitcher radio i'm brian kluger and press and barta is the man you can find him all over the world you can find him in austin you can find him in dallas you can find him in nacogdoches maybe but where else can everyone find you preston you can find me on instagram at preston barta b-a-r-t-a um, where I'm posting uh, daily. Uh, I've been a little slow lately. Forgive me, because I've been at South by. But um, I, I do cool stuff on Instagram. I guess um, sharing physical media and uh, movie related stuff and crazy stuff. Um, so on there. But you can find my writing on uh, Ditton D E N T O N uh, North Texas town. Uh, rc.com didn't rc.com um if you go to the entertainment tab and under movies you can find uh my weekly theatrical reviews and i posted like a 1100 word review interview story interview piece with gaspar no for climax this week so you can find that on there and on fresh fiction where i've been having all my south by southwest coverage um we have a lot of stuff up, uh, Cole and I and, uh, Chance Maggard. Um, we've been just tag teaming, uh, all these different films and taking turns and, um, have a lot of reviews up. So if you're at all curious to know more about films like us or long shot that we saw, not really horror at all, but, um, we've done other stuff like little monsters, um what else uh i'm about to have my uh interview for uh, extraordinary to go up with will forte and the filmmakers and um i have a interview piece up for, i have my uh red carpet um interviews for us up right now where you can go and check that out talk to uh jordan peele um uh, some of the cast members and uh, talked to Jason Blum. And so I have that up and it has pieces of their post-screening Q&A in it as well. So it's just one giant like five minute long highlight reel. So it's really well done. It was done by Chance Maggard. Um, 
And then, yeah, I interviewed Riley Stearns, director of The Art of Self-Defense that I really loved. Um, and yeah, I'm about to have the extraordinary one to go up and then I got two more in the can and then I'm about to go, you know, go back and do pet cemetery. So I'll have that up, uh, probably by Monday. So everything, uh, everything South by related should be up by Monday. Um, the 18th, I, I think that's the date. Um, uh, so yeah, go to freshfiction.tv where you can find all that fun stuff and you can go to f- search fresh fiction on YouTube and you'll see some book things going on there, but we also have a bunch of interviews, um, back catalogs, so you can watch all that stuff. So, uh, stuff everywhere. Freshfiction.tv, Ditton Record Chronicle. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's where to find them. And we'll be back next week with more South by Southwest, some Pet Cemetery, and more goodness of horror. But until then, watch Climax and Theaters. Uh, and thank you, Preston, as always. Happy to.